0: Welcome to the Amaze Institute for Disciple Making podcast. Today we're going to be hearing from Pastor Brian and Bo Bray as they begin their series over gospel-centered discipleship. Well, we're glad that you're here. Uh, why don't we introduce ourselves, Bo? Yeah,
1: you go first. Okay, because I want to hear your interesting fact.
0: Oh man, I haven't thought of so one. So I can be judgy. Okay, my name is Brian. I'm one of your pastors. Um, and an interesting fact about me, when I was uh, in high school, my mom put super glue in my eye, um, and I glued my eye shut. It was an accident. Okay. It was an accident. It wasn't on purpose. She thought it was my eye drops. I had, I had pink eye, um, and the super glue bottle was sitting out on the counter, and it was in the shape of, a, of an eye drop medicine thing, so she saw it and was like, Brian, you need your eye drops. I was sitting on the couch. She came up like behind the couch and had me lean my head back and, and dropped super glue in my eye. So, but you can survive that and your eye can survive that. And God is great. <laughs> it did not cure the pink eye. In fact, actually, I'm thankful I had pink eye because we called poison control and like doc, you know, we didn't know what to do. And they said, You'll be fine just come it was at night so they were like just come into the to the doctor's office in the morning we'll get it out but then when they found out it was pink eye they were like well I guess we don't want it all sealed up with an infection in there so only because I had pink eye were they willing to like open the office up at night and and come in and, and fix it but yeah they they got it all out and I can see <laughs> so my true story though they had to cut off all my um, eyelashes, eyelashes because you' multiple things happen your eye. Your eyelids glue together, your eyelids glue to your eyeball, and then all of your eyelashes are glued together. So um, it was a big mess. But they, yeah, they had to cut them all off. And now this side is a little bit thicker than that side.
1: So there you go. Bo. I'm, I'm not a one upper, but I don't know that I can tell <laughs> you. Well, My name is Bo Bray. I'll uh, say interesting facts. Uh, so I'm married. <laughs> if you want to leave that on, I can lean over and talk into your uh, lapel, into, into your lapel mic. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, married. Uh, my wife is uh, Heidi, uh, and uh, we have three kids: um, Charlie, Isaiah, and Parker. So, I have a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. Um, yay! So, interesting fact: uh, When I remember when I was in, I think middle school, I remember this moment very specifically because <clears throat> I have always had problems finding shoes that fit. Uh, I remember specifically wearing a size 7 shoe as a very young kid, and my feet hurt all of the time, and my mom finally took me to go get new shoes, uh, and they figured out why my feet hurt, because uh, I went from a size 7 to a size 13 shoe, so uh, that's why my feet hurt all the time, and so I went from a 7 to a 13, and my feet have not grown anymore since then. I've always been a size 13 after, what, the seventh grade, I think is when that was, so there's your interesting fact for me.
0: That so, is interesting. There you go. Wow. wow.
1: You I have no ones. I have no idea what one of you said that made me think of that, so that's on y'all. Well, there you go. Uh,
0: well, it's like spiritual growth, discipleship, you know, Absolutely. feet growing. It's just an
1: illustration for the growth that we want to see yeah. exhibited throughout this. We course.
0: want you to grow like Bo's feet spiritual. in seventh <laughs> yeah. grade. That's exactly Grow right. spiritually like that. Um, no, we're, we're excited about this class. Bo and I actually taught this class two years ago here at this church. This is a repeater, um, but we're, it's a real intentional reason why we wanted to do it. We told you when you were over there that there's uh, two reasons why we do summer specials. Number one, we want you to grow. Uh I want you to grow in your knowledge of, of Christ, what it means to follow after Him. But, uh, and then number two, we want you to become friends with some more people at the church. So we will do our best to make that happen uh, over the next uh, few weeks. But this class has a secret third mission, um, and it's the reason why we're repeating it. Uh, there is a ministry at this church that's not promoted. It's not on the website. It doesn't even really exist um, publicly. But it's uh, we have discipleship groups at this church, groups, small groups of, of men and women who uh, gather for discipleship, gender-based accountability groups um, that, that meet on their own. It's it's completely uh, autonomous, so it's uh, not really overseen by pastors. But it all started because we led this class two, two years ago. So um, one of the things that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks is what does it look like to make disciples? What does it look like to engage our lives with other believers in real practical ways in order to see us grow and to see others grow? So disciple-making, basically 101, that's what we're going to talk about. And um, and out of that class last time, we saw some people start groups. And our secret mission, third reason why we're doing this class, we'd like to see some of you start groups. We would really love to see God use you to disciple other people at our church. And in the process, here's what's always true. You will grow as well. God has designed our spiritual lives in such a way that we'll always reach a point of spiritual plateau if we're not pouring into others. We're not designed to be partakers of ministry. We're designed to be participants, to be active in ministry ourselves Jesus calls us all to make disciples the great commissions for us all so uh, we're going to get into all of that over the next five weeks Um, but just as a point of overview wanted to let you know that here at the start we have a secret mission for you all and it's going to be great but uh but let me pray for us Um, and then I'm going to teach for a little while Bo's going to teach for a little while um, we're gonna team teach most of this class. So most nights we'll both be teaching. Um, there's a few nights where he'll be out of t- one night when he'll be out of town. Um, so we'll we'll share those uh, differently. But um, but let me pray for us and we'll dive in. God, we love you and we are uh, grateful for your word, grateful for your Holy Spirit, Father, grateful for your church, Lord. And we we pray that by your grace you might. Um, Give us Your Spirit in in an unusual dose over these next few weeks as we uh, think about Your Word, as we contemplate the Scriptures, as we contemplate what it means to grow, what it means to be a disciple, what it means to engage in disciple-making. And I pray that as a result, Lord, all of us would at least see very clearly what You've called us to. And I pray that many of us, Father, might even have the courage to step out and be obedient to it, Lord. Would You let us not just be hearers of the Word, But doers, would you teach us what it looks like to follow you and to to lead others to do the same? Um, We ask for your blessing upon this class, Lord. I pray for myself and for Bo as we uh, prepare to teach. Would you give us the words? Would you speak only what is true? And would you uh, guide us as we set our eyes and our hearts upon your scriptures? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, if you've got your Bible, join me in Matthew chapter 28, if you will. Um, we're going to start here at the Great Commission, a uh, very popular passage of Scripture. If you are, um, if you've grown up in the church, if you're familiar with um, uh, the, the Gospels, um, it's probably a, a passage that you could recite if I was to ask you to. Um, but I want to start here because this is the reason why we ever, why we use the the word disciple making in our. Uh, in our church, and not just at this church, but in all churches, um, this, this phrase disciple-making comes from Jesus himself, and it's right here in the Great Commission. So uh, contextually, uh, whether or not you've heard uh, this, these verses before, let me set it up where it comes from in, in the Bible. This is the very end of Jesus' life here on earth. So he has already died, contextually, uh, on the cross. He's already resurrected. He's in those final weeks that he spent with the disciples before he ascended back to heaven. And in fact, you'll find, if you're, if you're looking at your Bible, these are the last uh, words in, in the Gospel of Matthew. This is, this is where Matthew's chronicle of Jesus' life ends. Um, he actually doesn't cover the ascension when Jesus went back to heaven. We do see that in Luke's Gospel, the second part of Luke's, Luke's Gospel, which is called Acts. Um, the guy who wrote Luke, his name was Luke, um, wrote Acts as well. It was part two of his story. And based on the verbiage in Acts, we actually are led to believe in, in the Bible that these are likely Jesus's final words. He was speaking this to his disciples, and then he immediately ascended to heaven. So don't know that for sure, but in all likelihood, this is what happened. And so uh, just keep in mind, you know, he, he's with his 12. These are the, oh, I guess 11. Judas is uh, not with them anymore, but um, he's with his disciples. He's about to go back to the Father, and he takes some time to uh, pour into them one last thing. So, very critical words that he says to them. I'm going to pick up in verse 16 and read this with you guys. Now, the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted, doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Okay, it's called the Great Commission. We use that uh, as the lingo because you can see Jesus is like commissioning his disciples. He's giving them a purpose, a mission for them to now live out. He's sending them out with that. Uh, and it's it's a very important one. It seems to be an all consuming all-defining defi- all one for them, uh, which is why it gets this great moniker. It's a great commission. It's, it's the great commission. Um, and as you read it, it really has four verbs. Did you pay attention? There's four big verbs in, that, in those phrases. Uh, anybody want to try and spot them? Verses 19 and 20 specifically. Go is one of them. Yep. Make, yeah. Make disciples. Yep. Baptize teaching. Those are them. Yes, all four. And in the Greek language, if you were to study Greek, you would see that uh, there's actually one main verb and three modifying participles. So all four verbs are important, but there's one main one, and then the other three are describing the other one. The main one is make, and it's one word, make disciples, uh, in, in the original Greek there. So make disciples is the central thing that Jesus is commissioning them into. Make disciples. And he defines it as Uh, with these other verbs to sort of explain what it should look like there should be going making disciples involves like a a, a movement and activity that defines it all there should be baptizing i would say that it uh, making disciples should be defined should be marked by conversions you should see new people coming into faith and, and leading them in baptism baptism being the symbol of uh new faith in christ um So making disciples should be going, there should be conversions happening, and then there should be uh, teaching as well. uh, Disciple making should be marked by spiritual maturity. People should go from being baptized, new followers of Jesus, to now knowing how to obey everything Jesus commanded them. I mean, look at how all-encompassing that phrase is. He says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you your translation might say teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. That verb obey, uh, observe, it, it can be translated differently, but the idea is the same. It's not just knowing what Jesus commanded us to do, it's actually walking in it. The The Great Commission is going and creating people who will also follow everything Jesus uh, commanded them to do, meaning that that in this Great Commission, it it starts by us going, us making disciples, us baptizing people, us beginning to teach people, but it ends with the people we just baptized and taught now being obedient to Jesus' call to go make new disciples. So it just sort of continues. The the Great Commission is self-replicating, you could say. When it's lived out properly, uh, people who come into faith will end up living it out as well, Um, which is actually, if you think about it, how we have the scriptures, how we have faith today. How did it come to us? You know, all of you could name the people that raised you in the faith if, if I asked you, if I told you to stand up. Who, it might be your parents, it might be uh, a Sunday school teacher, it might be a random neighbor that you ran into, but uh, all of us have encountered faith from other people in our life. And guess who they encountered it from? Other people in their life. It all came back to these 12 guys and their witnesses. People who were so deeply obedient to God's words, that people who had never heard of Jesus came to hear of Him, came to trust in Him, came to follow Him, came to do ministry themselves. You see it? We're to be marked by growth. That is that's that is the mission of the church. So biblically speaking, this, this mission here given to the disciples is not just uh, a mission for them. It's a mission for all of us. Like like this is uh, uh, the mission of the church, like every church, not just Emmaus Church, every church, the global church of Jesus everywhere. Uh, our calling before God is to go make disciples. In fact, there's a really great book. If any of you love to read, I encourage you to read this book. We're going to give you some homework towards that end as we go through this class. Um, but there's another great book called What is the Mission of the Church? It's by uh, Kevin DeYoung and Greg Gilbert, and it basically just explains why the Great Commission is all of our mission. It's, it's us individually. It's us as a church. It's all of us. Um, And he just does a really good job of unpacking that. Highly recommend that book. But uh, the big thing I want you to, to hear and understand just right at the outset is Jesus has called all of us into this. There's no such thing as a follower of Jesus who doesn't obey the Great Commission. It's what we're called to do. Making disciples is, is our task. So the question before all of us is how? How do we do this? Not if we should. That, that's clear from Scripture that we should, but how do we do it? So I just want to pause for a moment and give you a chance to answer that. <laughs> so what does it look like to make disciples, practically speaking? I mean, in your life, you know, in America, in, in Buford, where you live, or if you're up in Chicago at Moody, I mean, what does it look like to engage in this mission? There's no wrong answer. Well, I know for me, me and a co-worker have recently been doing a work Bible study, um, and I'm seeing that as a good way of doing that because when you're teaching someone, you're really engaging in that mission, you're help fostering that growth, especially for new believers. There's two of them that have joined the Bible study, and it's really teaching them the foundations of what God outlines through Scripture and seeing them grow from that. That's awesome. Are you leading this? Yes. And where do you work? Williams-Sonoma. And you've started a Bible study with some coworkers? Yep. Great answer. So one way that, it, one way that it can look like in our lives is uh, grabbing some coworkers, studying Scripture together, trying to teach them the things that Jesus has commanded us. That's great. Yeah. Any other ideas? As a parent. You Absolutely. Parents. Absolutely. How many parents in the room? Yeah. That's the hardest one right Praise
1: the Lord.
0: yeah it's the hardest one because we're not and oh parents just just pull this in and hide it in your heart especially young parents we are not called to create productive citizens in our society like that's not our calling we do want them to be productive citizens we do want them to grow up and like move out of the house someday and be autonomous and get jobs and contribute to society that's great We want them to vote we want them to make things better in life yeah but we want them to follow Jesus. We want them to love the Lord. That's our duty. We, God's entrusted them to our homes for that time. So yeah, that's another way. Any anything else come to mind? Sharing what
1: the Lord has done for you in your life. Yeah.
0: I love that one. Just being being willing to share. Like we we crisscross with a lot of people every single day. At Kroger um, we, we're not in New York, so we don't ride the subway. But if you take an Uber and you end up in a car with somebody. I mean, we're constantly interacting with people. We just don't often talk to them because we're Americans and we don't take time to interact. I just got home from Uganda on Saturday, was there for the last 10 days, and I love Ugandan culture because they care so much more about people than they do about time, care so much more about relationships than they do about efficiency. And so you can have a schedule for your day, but if you're in a conversation, you would never stop that conversation to move on to the next thing. Very American thing to do, but not so much in the rest of the world. But yeah, regular, just being open to converse with people. I love it. Anything else? Yeah, I, I think spending um, spending time. You know, there's a in one of the epistles Paul talks about how they shared their lives um, with each other. And the weekends in our Western culture to be on schedule. Bible studies are good, and having studies and those things are really good. But week. We tend to fall in like little. We meet each other at meetings and different things. We yeah. have people over your house for dinner to entice down on uh, is a way to establish. Now we're getting somewhere. Yep, yep. That's the real stuff, right? Did Jesus do his discipleship strategy with his disciples by doing a one-hour class for five weeks over the summer? <laughs> no, he like he grabbed some dudes and was like, "Hey, let's let's go together." like in life. Let's eat together every meal. Let's go to cities together. Let's let's share our lives together. So the kind of intense growth that happened in three years for a, a knucklehead like Peter can only happen with that kind of shared life. And this is really one of the reasons why I love this book. We're going to get more into to details as we go tonight. But Um, I want you to read this book because I want you to have a better idea of what it means to share life with people in America in 2019. Because it's a little bit hard. We are an independent culture. It can be challenging to think about it. Um, So some of this book is going to get into that. Excited to see it. But yeah, I absolutely believe disciple making is not a program. It's a shared life experience. It's pouring into somebody, caring about them, being willing to invest, sometimes even for the long haul. People don't usually grow linearly. You usually have like one step forward, two steps back. You know, all the parents in the room said amen. Um, so that's how it goes. But, uh, but yeah, all of these are great ideas. I'm sure we could keep going, but for the sake of time, we're going to keep moving. Um, y- this is what we're going to try to answer. How do we do this? How do we actually engage in disciple making as a people? Um, th- that's the goal of this class, to, to answer what is a disciple What is discipleship? How can we engage in it? And and even more specifically, how can we, the ones that are in this class specifically, how can we do this practically? So we're going to talk a lot philosophically through this class, looking at this book, looking at scripture, thinking of ideas. But as we get towards the end, I want to encourage you all to stick with us all five weeks if you can. If you miss one, try to listen to the audio. Um, uh, Even if you can't, come back. Please try to make it week five. That's really going to be the most important one. But uh, as we go, especially on week five, we're going to try to get really practical, give you one way, practically speaking, you can try to do this year, And that'll be the discipleship groups that I mentioned. But, um, but yeah, that's our goal. Uh, you know, our church motto, anybody know the church motto here at Emmaus Church? It's on t-shirts and on the walls and all that kind of stuff. But, but uh, anybody remember it? Yeah, follow follow Jesus, make disciples, plant churches, Um, which are sort of the three big things we want to be a part of as a church. Um, We want to be a people that are closely walking with the Lord, not careless with our spiritual walks, but like actually walking with Jesus every single day. People who are making disciples, not just focused on our own spirituality, but actually seeing that flesh itself out in other relationships. That's what we're going to talk about over these weeks. Um, but then also planning churches. We, we, we believe healthy churches will replicate. You'll see uh, other healthy churches grow out of that um, where more disciple-making, more following Jesus can happen. So that's, that's who we want to be as a church, and I, I really do pray that over the course of these weeks, Um, we'll get some strategies on how to do that stuff. So uh, the game plan, just a real big overview of our five weeks together. Uh, Tonight, uh, Bo is going to lead us through uh, basically the question, what is a disciple? So we're going to get into chapter one, even though you haven't read it, we're going to get a little bit into that. Not going to cover too much, but just sort of give you an overview of um, what is a disciple? What does it mean? Uh, to to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple ourselves. Um, Next week, we're going to engage with the idea of what is discipleship. So what does it mean uh, when we say the word discipleship? What are we even talking about? Um, As we get into next week, we're really going to be covering all the way through chapter 2. So if you want to keep up with us in reading the book, try to read to the end of chapter 2 before next week. Um, That'll be the plan. That'll set you up well. And just know, we gave this book to you as you, know, you paid a course fee to be in this class. We want, wanted to give you a resource. Um, it's not required that you read. So if you're not a reader, uh, please still come. Um, but I do think it will enrich you. So if you um, will put some effort into it, I think it'll be good for you. And even if you're not a reader, it, I would encourage you to become one. It's a good thing. Uh, so the way that we grow. If we keep spending all of our attention on Instagram, we're going to die. We just will. Our brains will rot to the point where they don't exist anymore. Um, so, in week three, we're going to get into what we're calling the heart of discipleship. This is chapters three and four in the book, um, but it's really about gospel motivation. The reason this is called gospel-centered discipleship is remembering to stay, keep the cross and the gospel center as we make disciples of people. So, It'll take us some time to build to that point, but the big idea is, is not being performance-based uh, in our accountability relationships, but really learning to be grace-based. So we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, week four, we're going to get into the Holy Spirit power of discipleship, so how discipleship actually grows by the Spirit, how that process works, and how we can uh, put ourselves in His hands. And then week five, we're going to get into uh, community, discipleship happens in community, and then specifically how we can do this. So... That's the big overview. Um, with that, should we let them talk for a few minutes? We Sweet, we are going to make you talk to each other. So, we have some little handouts. Um, I think I didn't. I didn't give them to you before. I gave you some fill-in-the-blanks. So, if you're type A and you want to fill in the blanks, I'll give you some the answers to your first two blanks there. Uh, That's the stuff that I talked earlier. But on there, uh, there's discussion questions on the back. That's for in a few minutes when Bo finishes teaching. Um, But on the front, there's a few questions. I think the first one is, what do you think it means to make disciples? Um, Take some time, circle up groups of three or four. um, Just circle up with the people around you and, and talk through a few of these. Somebody appoint yourself the leader. Just navigate the conversation, uh, and it'll be great. Um, try to be honest. Try to be vulnerable. We're going to do this every week, discussion time. So, uh, again, the more honest and vulnerable you can be, the better. Uh, it'll it'll enrich the process. So, few questions. Talk through them. And then you've got space to take notes as we keep going.
1: Yeah, so what,
0: what the first blanks, if you are type A. Are the Who's the mission for church as a... Uh, individual believer and then church as the global body are the are the blanks there so um it's for all of us individually and it's for all of us collectively is really the the big idea there but talk about the discussion questions and we'll start back in about 10 minutes
1: all right y'all let's go ahead and wrap up sorry to interrupt y'all's discussions so um typically uh what brian and i would do would um we would go through a lot of the questions and kind of hear some of y'all's responses that we've discussed or that you've discussed and that we're not going to do that. We're just going to go ahead and dive right into the next part of what we're going to cover tonight. So one of the things that I wanted to tack on on what Brian was saying a minute ago is that uh, you've got your book, right, of gospel centered discipleship here. Uh, it's a fantastic book. I've read it. I don't even know how many times at this point in my life. Um, It probably looks a lot different than yours because I bought it like right when it came out uh, years and years ago, but it's it's really, really good. That being said, um, I want to make sure we're very clear on something. Uh, Brian and I want to root everything we say in scripture. That is the authority. That is the point. um, That is where we are um, deriving a lot of the things that we talk about. That being said, this is just supporting material, right? Um, And so tonight, uh, as we continue going. We're going to talk about chapter one. Like Brian said, I'm not going to hit everything in chapter one. There's a lot there. Matter of fact, we're going to talk about more uh, what's in chapter one next week because there's so much there. Probably going to whiteboard, uh, all that kind of fun stuff. And uh, so again, there's there's a lot to talk about. So I'm not talking through every single point. We're not going to do it. We're going to hit what we want to convey, what we think is important uh, as a result to get to week five so that we can see all of you As disciples, make disciples, right? So, all right, that being said, we've talked about the whole point of this class that we're doing. We talked about the the great gospel commission, if you will, Uh, and so the next question that we need to examine is, what is a disciple, right? We talked a lot about what is discipleship, and we'll talk more and more about that, but first, we need to handle this question of what is a disciple. I'm going to throw a lot of stuff at you, by the way, so... Hopefully get your pen. I'm going to talk fast, throw a lot of scriptures at Yeah, you probably won't have time to look them up, even if you're really, really proficient with your thumb because of Instagram and it's rotting your brain. But uh, you just jot them down. All right, so what is a disciple? So the Lexham Bible Dictionary, uh, it says that a, a disciple is a student, uh, a pupil, or a learner. Uh, I thought that was a really, really good applicable definition. Uh, Easton's Bible Dictionary actually defines a disciple as a follower of Christ who does things. I thought this was really good too. Uh, This first thing is uh, this kind of person believes in the doctrine of Christ. He believes Christ's doctrine. Uh, Secondarily, he rests on Christ's sacrifice. Uh, Thirdly, he imbibes or he absorbs Christ's spirit. And fourth, he he or she imitates Christ's example. I thought that was really, really good and gave a kind of a holistic picture of what a disciple should practically do when it comes to Jesus, right? So if we if we go back and look at what the original word disciple means, right? Because you know you can't teach on the Bible without you know doing a word study, right? That would be like no fun. Uh, so in Greek, um, <clears throat> we uh, look this up, uh, and so the original word for disciple is methides. I believe it is used two hundred and sixty-two times in the New Testament in that current form. uh, And that root word is where we get our current day word, mathematics. Uh, So in the Greek world, the reason that is in the Greek world, it carried a very scholastic meaning. Hence going back to that pupil terminology. So it's, it's a pupil, it's someone who is learning right? So that is where we get that word from. So, But that was in the Greek world. Now, how about in the Jewish world? So what we need to focus on and what we need to look at, right? So first century Israel, which obviously matters probably the most to us for our own application, it was used to describe students of a rabbi who were, quote, to learn, right? That, that, that was their literal job is to learn. Uh, they would basically attach themselves, a disciple in this context would attach themselves physically and say, all right, rabbi, where you go, I'm going everywhere. Like, I'm, I mean, you're stuck with me. And so that was the whole point because they knew that the only way that they would be able to learn is if they were in constant relationship around their rabbi. Uh, so <clears throat> as the disciple would go uh, with the rabbi, the rabbi would teach disciples in two specific ways. Right? And, this, and this even applies to, to Jesus, right? We see rabbis typically taught their disciples in two ways. The first one is instruction, right? He would actually take time to teach them like we're doing right here, right now. He would provide instruction. Here is what you do. Here is what you do not do. Here is what you do in this scenario. Here is how to do this. Uh, so that's the first way is instruction. The second way that a disciple would learn from their rabbi is through demonstration, right? So the rabbi would literally show the disciple how to do or how to live out what he was instructing them, right? So two different ways, right? So being a disciple at its core, it means becoming like your rabbi. That's the point. So if you flip over to Luke six forty with me really, really quick, um, I'll, I'll read this because this is, it really, really kind of sums up the heart of the core meaning of the word disciple and what we mean by it. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So, again, being a disciple means becoming like your rabbi, right? Luke six forty, Luke six forty. All right. Now, um, <clears throat> I'm going to use the same working definition for. The word disciple is Dodson uses. That's what we're going to use. So everything we talk about here for the next few weeks is going to be based on this definition because we've got to mean the same thing when I say disciple and when Brian says disciple and when you say disciple, all right? So there's three aspects to this definition. So let, let me let me provide this to you. If you go read chapter one, you'll see this because um, this is where we pulled it from. So I
0: pay people,
1: these are your blanks. yep, these are your blanks right here, right here. <laughs> right. So let's see here. All right. So here's our working definition. A disciple is a follower of Jesus who seeks to know him, learn from him, and serve him. So I'll say that one more time. A disciple is a follower of Jesus who seeks to know him, learn from him, and serve him. All right. So let's kind of break down those three different uh, aspects of our definition Really quick, so the first aspect of that is the knowing Him part. The knowing Him part is what we call relational. It's the relational aspect of being a disciple. So following Jesus, it involves a strong relationship with someone. It's not an informal process. It is deeply, deeply personal, right? Think about when you got to know your friends or your spouse or your kids, someone in your life that you know very, very deeply. There's a deep relational connection. And the only way that you get to know them is by spending time with them and knowing them, not learning more about them per se, but getting to know them. All right, so when we become disciples, when we become followers of Christ, he brings us into his family. He literally does, and our daily pursuit should be to know him better, right? So uh, Matthew 12, 48 and 49, uh, if you want to write this one down, uh, Jesus relates to us in a familial way. Uh, Philippians 3, 7 through 11, Paul says his greatest aim is to know Christ right? So disciples, they are people who know Christ and seek to know Him more, okay? Now, all right, so that's that's the first aspect is, is this relational connection. The second aspect is rational. So learning from Him, right? <clears throat> the rational connection. So following Jesus, it involves, I'll say, academic instruction from Him, right? There has to be some instruction. Um, there has to be some knowledge transfer. That occurs. So, like a student, um, we are to turn our heads and minds rationally to Christ to understand what He is literally instructing us to do, right? Uh, So, Matthew 28 uh, 18 through 20. So, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. You see, there's an instruction process whereby everything that Christ taught us is imparted to us. So, we're to be rational disciples and this is the way that Jesus handled his disciples as well right so read the gospels he was he was very very careful to teach them all think think about when Jesus taught the crowds a parable right he would he would give the parable then what did he do after he left the crowds he was he would take his disciples and he would go back and he'd be like hey guys did you did y'all catch that did y'all like really understand it do you do you know what I meant And when they looked at him like a deer in headlights and they're like, I had no idea what you're trying to talk about. He's like, "Okay, well, let me tell you what I meant. Let me show you what I was actually trying to convey so that you know what I mean and you can do it, too. So, again, a rational conveyance of knowledge. All right. And then the third area is this with our working definition. It's the aspect of serving Jesus. It's uh, a a word that a lot of you are very familiar, familiar with called being missional. So, there's a missional aspect to being a disciple. So, following Jesus, uh, it, it involves literal obedience to his commands, which inevitably means that as we follow Christ, guess what we're doing? We're going to do what he does, which is another way of saying we're going to be on mission with him. Right? So, as we develop this, this deep relational intimacy with Christ, and when we know him well and when we seek to learn from him, uh, he will inevitably command us to obey, to follow him. So following Jesus means obedience to the mission. A good example of this would be Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Uh, Jot that down if you want to review that too. I think that would be good for you as well. So I'll sum that aspect up by saying this, a disciple is someone who rejects living for themselves and instead lives to serve Christ. So there's that, that missional aspect. So at the the end of the day, um, disciple should be synonymous with the word Christian. You see, because Jesus, he, he never had a category of a believer in the New Testament that was not a disciple like this, right? Because we... We use words in different contexts at different times, right? When I say disciple, that might carry a different meaning to you when I use the word Christian. Or right? it's really, at least I've encountered this in my own life, I've encountered people and they say, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm like, oh, okay, what do you mean by that? You know. Oh, okay. When you say Christian and when I say Christian, we don't mean the same thing, right? So uh, that that concept, that paradigm, uh, Jesus never separated these two things uh, because Christian means little Christ. (laughs) So it is actually another word for disciple, right? So obviously the question that I have to ask every single one of you that I would be remiss if I did not ask is, are you a disciple? We all have to ask ourselves this. I, I mean, I, as I'm preparing content, Brian and I have talked this a couple of times. I even want to search my own heart uh, at times as I as I read through Scripture and I'm convicted and I'm like, man, am I, am I following Christ? Like I'm called to follow Christ. So, are you a disciple? Maybe you're not a disciple at all. I have I don't know. Uh, maybe you profess to follow Christ, but you, you don't really follow him like this. I I don't know. Uh, but we'll work on that, Lord willing, in the next few weeks. So some things that should mark us, though, as you think through this, of your yourself being a disciple, I'll give you a couple of things to consider. I won't just sit there and leave you hanging with the question, right? I'm going to give you a couple of things to help you think through it. So uh, here, here's one thing to help. Uh, are, are you actually pursuing authentic intimacy with Jesus? Like, are you intentional with that? Is that something that is at the forefront of your mind constantly? It's like, man, I... I need to know Christ better. I need to learn from him. I need to become like him. So second, another thing to help with this is, do you have an ongoing pursuit in knowing God, his nature and his mission? All right, because the only way that you can know God's mission is by serving him and knowing him. That, that's the only way it's going to happen, all right? So are you doing that? Are, are you uh, constantly at the forefront of your mind having this pursuit in knowing God. Now, one thing that I'll I'll get to here in just a minute, I want to make a distinction so you know what I mean. Knowing God does not equal knowing facts about God. I want to be very, very clear on this. Uh, I'll get to that here in just a minute, but are you pursuing knowing God? And the third thing here is uh, to help you think through this. Are you being obedient to the commands of Jesus? This is a tough one for us, I, I, I have to say. Because as you know, we're in this postmodern Western culture. I find so many people that claim to follow Christ um, using anything as an excuse to get out of doing what Jesus has actually called us to do. Whether they, they chuck around the term legalism, um, and it's like no, no. J- Jesus actually commanded us to be obedient to Him and do things. We don't like get a, get out of jail free card. We shouldn't want to if we're truly His disciple. Um, And even more specifically, um, (laughs) other things that you can think through here, are you obeying Him in every area of your life? Are you pursuing to honor God? Colossians 3.23 says that whatever you do, whatever, not just some areas, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, right? So uh, is the way that you handle your money honoring the Lord? Is the way that you handle I don't know, generosity to the poor, honoring the Lord. Um, Are are your relationships honoring the Lord? Um, Is the way that you deal with your enemies honoring to the Lord? Uh, You know, we have a lot of different people here in different stages of life. The way that you handle your sexual purity, are you honoring the Lord? Um, That way, that's how we are able to look at our own life and say, okay, I need to make some changes. I need to follow Christ more in this area. I I feel like I'm doing okay. Whatever it is, wherever you arrive, when you ask yourself these questions, when you search your own heart. So that is what I would recommend that every single one of us do to know and be able to answer the question, are you a disciple? All right, so in summary, really quick, we've got a few minutes left. I'll hit a couple more things, um, kind of a few concluding thoughts here. So in summary, we should be marked by growth. Uh, <clears throat> I guess my example of going from, you know, a size seven shoe to a size 13 shoe, uh, you know, in God's providence, that was kind of a metaphorical example of, you know, uh, that is what Brian and I desire. Uh, I'll, I'll put our cards on the table. We want you to grow tremendously from this. We want you to be convicted and moved by the Holy Spirit in this. We make no bones about that. We want to see every single person here become more like Christ. That is what we want to see. So we want to see you mature. Um, And specifically, as it relates to uh, this first chapter, because Dodson compares discipleship versus evangelism. He, 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 He asks the question, are these two things pitted against each other? And we here at Emmaus Church would unequivocally say, no, they are not pitted against each other. Uh, they actually go together. And I'll tell you more about that here in just a second. But we want to see you all mature. Uh, As Paul said, you know, to use his analogy, we want to see you all go from milk to meat, if you will. So following Jesus when you became a Christian versus, you know, 30 years from now, we want to say, man, you look drastically different than you did when you came to know Christ. We want want you to mature. Uh, And additionally, so in that maturity, you should be bearing spiritual fruit. We want you to bear spiritual fruit We want you to be able to recognize it and know what it is and to look at your own heart, your own life and say, okay, you know, by God's grace, I am maturing. I am becoming more like Christ. So like Brian said, we should go from a consumer of discipleship to a producer of discipleship. Uh, So back to the point that I made a minute ago, though, I wanted to read you this. It's on page 35 for, you know, the type A's again here, because I really want to touch on this. Uh, Before we dive into this deeper later, it's at the very bottom of page 35, and it goes back to that pitting uh, uh, evangelism and discipleship against each other. Uh, Dodson says this, he says, If making disciples happens through gospel-centered going, baptizing, and teaching, the semantic distinction between evangelism and discipleship is superfluous. Disciples are made, whether for the first or fiftieth time, through the gospel, Jesus' real concern was not evangelism versus discipleship, but the good news. Both evangelism and discipleship are a product of the gospel. So, to be clear, there is not a central fundamental divide between discipleship and evangelism. If we try to separate them, we are unsuccessfully creating a false dichotomy that cannot be created. They go hand in hand. Next Discipleship, I mentioned this before, is not just about gaining more knowledge and facts and making an intellectual assent about Jesus. The demons do that. Satan acknowledges God as God, right? That, that's not the point. And I think all of us would agree that Satan is not a disciple of Christ. So clearly it's not about knowing more. That's part of it, yes, absolutely. But I think at times we're all tempted to turn it into, turn discipleship into just learning more facts about God. Well, if I know more things about God, therefore, I'm going to be like him. I I was debating on whether to use this analogy, and I'm going to use it. So, uh, sometimes, uh, I have seen before, present company excluded, in missional community groups, I've seen this happen. I've I've literally seen this lived out. If you ever uh, pay close attention to what people say when they pray, it's very fascinating. As you're preparing... For missional community group if you're a part of one. And when you're concluding, it's, it's, I think it's very fascinating for what people actually ask the Lord for. And so many times I hear people use language like, God, we just want to know more about you. And it's like, yeah, we do. But not just that, right? We want to know you more, right? There's a distinction there. So I just want us to realize that, that knowing more about God is not necessarily the full spectrum of discipleship. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So next, um, the gospel is central to discipleship. Uh, that is paramount to what we believe here at Emmaus. That is paramount to what we're going to talk about through the rest of the weeks here. The gospel makes Disciples and the gospel matures disciples. Dodson talks about that statement a lot. It make, the gospel makes disciples and it matures disciples. It does both. And simultaneously, the only way to make a disciple is if you are a disciple. So back to that original question that I asked a little bit ago. Um, this, this casual Christianity, if you will, without the obedience to the Lord, that I I'll have to say that that's not discipleship. And uh, James, Jesus' half-brother, actually addresses this. And he says, if you claim to believe and there's no act to go along with it, you're not even a follower of Christ. You don't even actually know him because there's no fruit. That's terrifying. So that's why I have to ask you the question of, are you a disciple? Uh, <clears throat> and then lastly, I'll, I'll close with this. Um, I kind of want to reissue that challenge that that brian gave a minute ago and not just your commitment to the next few weeks i mean you've you paid for the class you've got skin in the game absolutely Uh, and i i get that but simultaneously i want to encourage you all to be committed to jesus i mean because again that's that's the end goal here is for you to leave and be committed to Jesus and to continually be an environment where you know him more, love him more, serve him more. So that's the goal. That's all I've got right now. Uh, let me jump over to your blanks really quick and make sure you got them all. Did
0: everybody get them all? All
1: right So the first, all right, cool. all right. Everybody got them? Well, let's
0: do some of these discussion questions quickly. We only have about 10 minutes till we're done. Um, but, but do it and I would encourage you to jump to number two and, and I'm again going to call you guys to some honesty here like discussion time is not just filler time for us as your teachers it, we, we really are trying to spur you on to loving good works with one another there's, there's something about sharing your heart with each other that's a good thing so are you pursuing Christ or are you casual with your faith? it's a hard question especially if you would say you're casual but I want to encourage you to be honest with that, talk through it, Um, and in just a moment we'll we'll close things out. And then for
1: me, I'll say that uh, you've got to ask the next question of yourself too after that one, which is number three of what are you going to do differently? I mean, because the Holy Spirit, Lord willing, drives us to action. So what what are you going to do differently? I I would say that those are the two things that that you should really focus on. So So
0: talk about those. We'll close it out in just a minute.
1: As we finish up, I, I really kind of wanted to drive this point home, too, of um, the fact that there's not this um, pitted um, fight going on between discipleship and evangelism. So if you've ever read Master Plan of Evangelism, you should. Uh, so let me read this really quick before Brian closes this out. <clears throat> uh, the author says this, uh, it all comes back to his disciples, Jesus' disciples. They were a vanguard of Jesus' enveloping movement through the Word he expected others to believe in him. And these, in turn, to pass along to others until in time the world might know who he was and what he came to do. His whole evangelistic strategy, indeed the fulfillment of his very purpose in coming into the world, dying on the cross, and rising from the grave, depended on the faithfulness of his chosen disciples to this task. It did not matter how small the group was to start, so long as they reproduced and taught their disciples to reproduce. This was the way his church was to win, through the dedicated lives of those who knew the Savior so well that his spirit and method constrained them to tell others. As simple as it may seem, this was the way the gospel would conquer. Jesus had no other plan. And
0: and what's beautiful about that plan is like, you just have to understand how broken these disciples were. They weren't like superheroes. They were normal dudes. In fact, like some of them have been passed over for spiritual authority. When when you're in the state of like fishermen and the state of tax collector and all that, as a good Jewish little boy, they the rabbis chose their disciples when they were younger. Like, like the rabbis got the first pick of everybody. So these guys had been passed over. And yet Jesus sees something in them that with His leadership as He grows them can be exactly what He just described, the people that He can entrust the entire mission to. So... I just want all of you to know, like, I don't know where you come in tonight if you're very spiritually mature and you followed the Lord for years and you know Scripture and you you know how to pray and, and you and the Lord have a great relationship. Maybe you're there and you're just trying to figure out, okay, practically, how do I start to do this? I want to be obedient. But maybe you're here tonight and you're like, I am, I am not walking with the Lord at all. You know, somebody signed me up for this class, I guess, or for some reason I showed up, but I am... I am not, I am not usable material. You know, that's not me. I just want to remind you, you are. The Lord can do anything with you. I've got a tree in my backyard that is uh, enormous. You know, it's like three grown adults could not put their arms around it, you know, arm to arm. It's just enormous. That tree was a tiny little seed at one point. It grew over time. Growth is a process when we give ourselves into the hands of God, He grows us, when we give ourselves in the hand of Scripture. So what we talked about, being a disciple who takes, you know time, authentic intimacy with Jesus, ongoing pursuit of God. Do these things, make it a habit to pursue the Lord. I promise you you're going to grow. The Lord will grow you up. Uh, I want to close with this from Psalms chapter one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, in the word of the Lord, the scriptures. And on his law, he meditates day and night, did in the scriptures. And this is what it says. He, that man, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind blows away. I just... I want I want to put before you before we go anywhere else in this class exactly what both said. You, we're not going to make disciples unless we are a, dis, a disciple. So pursue the Lord, root yourself in His Word, root yourself in the church, and God will grow you, and you'll be amazed at what comes burst, what fruitfulness comes bursting through your, through you in the days to come as you grow deeper with the Lord. So let me pray for us. We'll be all done. Jesus, I, we love you so much, and and I just pray that uh, you would do the work, Father. You would. Uh, produce the fruitfulness in us as we abide in you that's what we're called to do to abide with you lord so as we go from here would you pull us to your word pull us to prayer pull us to the spiritual disciplines that we might know you better uh not just know about you but know you know your heart jesus Uh, follow after you closely Um, do something that we can't do in ourselves this this summer jesus we we put our hands um around you lord it's in your name that we pray. Amen.